Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning. How are we all doing? What book are we doing at the moment? Ephesians. And we're, Johannes finished up to the end of chapter 1, and we're going to go into chapter 2. But before I start, and before we read it, on Tuesday, we have a meeting, and we look at what we're going to preach, and we talk about it. And Ephesians 2, the portion that I'm doing, verse 1 to 10, is a very familiar piece of Scripture. I think if, you, if you've been a Christian for a while, you will have quoted it. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. We're seated in heavenly places. It's stuff that we know. And I must say, on Tuesday, as I looked, I thought, God, what am I going to preach out of here? <laughs> what am I going to preach out of here? The next day, part of my reading at the moment is Hebrews, is Hebrews, and I was in Hebrews 2, and in Hebrews 2, the title is Warning Against Neglecting Salvation. Verse 1 says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation. And I was humbled. How easily we neglect this great salvation. What might that mean? Well, as we said this morning, we become lukewarm when we neglect this great salvation. It's all about receiving and getting and coming to church and getting the right message and having nice worship and is there decent coffee? It's all about receiving and nothing about giving. It's all about, well, I've been forgiven, so I'm okay. I can do what I like. I can serve where I, if I feel like it. It's all about losing my awe and my gratitude. Titus 2 verse 14, Paul writing, gives a very good definition of the purpose of salvation. Talking about Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Let us pray. Holy God, you've spoken this morning about surrendering. And Jesus, we surrender. Every thought, every part of us, Jesus, we surrender. I surrender to you, Jesus. I pray that you use me in the way that you want to use me this morning. I pray for every heart here this morning to be totally surrendered to you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of your word. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Okay, so Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. Let's read it. It's a beautiful piece of scripture. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, 
being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you read any commentary, they divide it up, one to three, four to seven, eight to ten. Uh, Tim Keller, I like what he does. He goes one to three, eight to ten, four to seven. And that's how I'm going to deal with it this morning. So verse one, two, two, three, first. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Not your trespasses and sins, note. You were dead. Dead. And we can sit there and think, mm, I'm not so dead. I was never so dead. Oh, come on, I, I didn't murder anyone. I haven't slept around, I haven't taken drugs, I haven't smoked, uh, maybe that little white lie now and again. And we become, well, I'm okay, we were dead. That word sins, the word sins, when you look at it, it says that we fail to reach the target of life, to be what we ought to be or could be. The word trespasses says is to fail, to fail to reach the goal of life. I am not the mother that I could be or ought to be. I am not the daughter I could be or ought to be. I am not the friend, and I could go on and on. We are all dead, aren't we? Has any one of us been the employee that we ought to be or could be? Take any area of life. We are dead. We are dead in those trespasses. And the next word says following. If you're following something, you are enslaved. When we don't know Jesus, we are enslaved. What are we enslaved to? And he gives three things. We're enslaved to the course of this world, the ways of this world. From the beginning of time, we've been entrapped by the world. Cain didn't want to go out after he killed Abel because there were horrible people out there. And it goes through and through. There's, there's, it's a world we live in, and we look at our world today. The course of the world is evil. The prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that's the devil. He started in the Garden of Eden. He tempted Jesus. He stopped Paul where he wanted to go, and he is alive and working today. Don't let's say, oh, he's a little thing. Halloween, can I just say, it exalts the devil. It exalts the devil. Why would we want to get involved in it? And the third one, the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. The passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. The self-centered me that says, I want to do things so that I get the benefit, and we all do it all the time. If I'm friends with that person, how will it make me look? When I'm looking for a marriage partner, well, how will they make me look? 
And you might say, oh, no, I'm not like that. Maybe you are. Of course we are. When somebody's really nice to us, what do we say to them? What are you doing trying to suck up to me? Why? Because that's what we do. Don't we? We are so self-centered. It's all about me and my desires. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. It's my right, isn't it? No. It's not our right. But it's how we are. It's how we are. And then the next, just after it says we become, you see, you'd think, well, I'm doing what I want to do. That must be so cool. Well, I feel I could do it. Does it lead to life? Does it lead to happiness? It says we are objects of wrath. It leads to disappointment. It leads to miserableness. Three areas. What does sin do? It takes away our innocence. Every sin, C.S. Lewis says, it takes a little chip out of your soul. And I thought back, I tried to think back as far as I could. And my mom maybe correct the story, but in my head, I was probably four or five. I can remember we got these, my brother and I were given this, these two, mom had got these two little chicks that were ours. And we kept them in a box and we used to take them out and, you know, and all that. And I can remember the one day, I don't exactly remember how, but I think I stood on my chick. I was devastated. I lost life. Michelle, really, I know it's funny, but it's, think about it. As a little kid, you don't die. Things don't die. I was devastated. And I can go through my life and think of all the little places where I've lost innocence. And to mothers out there, you watch a little baby very quickly learns, if I make the right noise and perform enough, she will come and give me comfort and give me warmth. And yes, there's a time when it's needed, but guy, those babies, I've had them, they push you. <laughs> and we, the world says, oh, shame. You, you're going to destroy the child. Give in to it. Let it be, let it be. What are we teaching our babies? If I yell loud enough, you will just feed me and give me what I need. We need to discipline our children. Loss of innocence. And then loss of motive. And I'm going to use a simple example, but say I decide for very good reasons, and please, I'm not going against chocolate, but I decide that for me, chocolate is not good. And I decide it's a good motive. I will never eat chocolate again. And I have a bar of chocolate at home, because when people come around, we're going to have some chocolate after dinner. And what do I do? I feel I need a piece of chocolate. So I'm just going to break off one little block. I'm not going to hurt anyone. Nobody knows it's in the cupboard. I'm not hurting anyone out there. And think about what I'm trying to do, the sin. I'm thinking about sin. I'm giving a very simple example. And we eat the one piece of chocolate. And then we just have another one. Before we know it, there is no bar of chocolate. Men and women, things that we think are motive, we will never, ever do that. We find ourselves in that sin. Loss of motive. And then loss of will. The sad thing about sin is it takes over. 
People say you can do what you want to do. It's freedom. We are trapped by our sin. Our sin dictates our life. Do I get to a point that I can't choose? I am, my identity is my sin. Pornography, you speak to people who, who are involved, men and women. They start with a little bit, and it gets worse and worse, and it controls them in the end. We are dead in our sin. But it is possible to be alive. It is possible to be alive. God is in the business of healing, taking away deadness. Two examples that I thought of when you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's a time when one of the, uh, Moses is ruling, they're in the wilderness, Aaron is priest, and these guys, Korah and his compatriots, rise up. They say, well, we're just as good as you. Why can't we lead? Uh, they come before, their ground swallows them up and all their family. And the next day, the people of Israel say, but that's not fair. You've killed people of God. So God says, take every leader's staff, all the tribes, 12 staff, Aaron's staff representing the tribe of Levi, and put them in my presence, in the tent of meeting. They go the next day. These are staffs. These are dead sticks. Nothing in them. Aaron's rod has budded. Aaron's rod has blossoms. Aaron's rod has fruit. God has made it alive. He's made it alive. Something that was dead, he made alive. And we go all through scripture of God making dead alive. Elijah lies on the widow's son. He's dead and he comes alive. Jesus raises Lazarus. Jesus rises from the dead. God is in the business of making us alive. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Saved, rescued from the power of of sin, rescued from the bondage of sin, rescued from the defilement of sin. You have been saved by grace. Nothing, nothing I can do about it. Absolutely nothing. Through faith, not by faith. Because if it was by faith, I'd have to have a heck of a lot of faith. Faith is the channel through which God gives. Saved by faith, through faith. It's a gift. The gift of God. So what happens to my loss of innocence? God cannot take back time. But he takes away the guilt. He takes away the estrangement that I feel because of my loss of innocence. He gives me a motive to live. He says, yes, not eating chocolate is good. And I will empower you. I will empower you. I will empower you so you don't eat that chocolate again. And he gives us a will. He gives us his will to live his ways. And that thing that consumed us, that pornography that consumed us, we were pornography by God's love gets smaller and smaller 
and smaller. It doesn't happen overnight. And, he, and Jesus, his love in us gets bigger and bigger. And we are defined by him and not by our sin. So that no one may boast. He said something about boasting this morning. He brought that word. What's boasting? I thought about the, the rugby guys. I've never been in a rugby change room, but I've heard them. You know what happens before these men and they make this circle, and I don't know what they say. They go, <laughs> I think they say, yeah, you've got the big muscles, and yeah, you can catch that ball so well, and yeah, you've scored all those tries, and ah, and we go out, and we're going to win. Yes? <laughs> Call me to your men's camp. Show you how it's done. (laughs) They're boasting. What are they boasting in? What we can do. I was here on Thursday night and the school did their war cry. It's awesome. They go, oh, everyone else goes, oh, you know, it's all this. It's fantastic. If you haven't heard it, come and listen. What are they saying? We are King's school. We're going to win. We're going to kill you on the field. Watch out. Here we come. But what are we boasting for about for life? Because that stuff is wonderful, but it's an illustration and makes us think, but what am I boasting about? Go to Jeremiah. You don't need to. I'll have it on the screen. Jeremiah 9, 23. We know this verse. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Why? Because they will never, ever be enough. They will not give us life. Verse 24, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That is what we boast in. Why? What was Aaron's rod? It was dead. Made alive by the Spirit. And what did it do? It bore fruit. Not for Aaron to eat. Fruit for our, his body. Fruit for those around us. And it says we are his workmanship. Created for good works. When we're alive, we are created for good works. To give, to give, to give. Not just to receive to serve, to love, to care. That is what we're called for. In the middle, the bit in the middle, the sandwich in the middle, the meat in the middle, verse four to seven. I am dead. Over here, I am alive. What gets me from dead to alive? One thing, resurrection power. Resurrection power. Power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power. Sorry, I'm getting very emotional. It's the same power that raises you and I from the dead to life. Only God's resurrection power. Only. He is a perfect God. We sung this morning a holy God. He needs perfection. He requires perfection. What can I give? Nothing. He gives. We receive. We receive. It says in verse 4, because of the great love with which he loved us. When we sin, 
It's not against his law. When we sin, little ones, big ones, when we sin, we break his heart. How do you atone for a broken heart? Think of a mother with a small child. And that child is killed by someone, raped and killed. That mother's heart is broken. That person is caught. They go to jail. Does that mend the mother's heart? What does she need to choose to do? Forgive. God chooses because of Jesus to forgive us because we have broken his heart. The only thing that will recompense is his forgiveness. And then it says in verse 5 and 6, he made us alive. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him. Notice all past tense. He made us alive. He raised us up with him. He seated us in the with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He steps in by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus atones the wrath of God. Because the wages of sin is death. Jesus' blood atones for that. God accepts the Father, accepts the, the sacrifice of the Son, and He forgives us. And He raises us by resurrection power. He makes us alive forevermore. Alive forevermore. And this scripture, I don't know, we debated it on Tuesday, and seats us. Seated us in heavenly places. It's always puzzled me. Because, hello, I happen to be here. Notice, I am not seated in heaven. So people say, but your spirit's in heaven. No, 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 my spirit's in my body. It tells me that when I die, my spirit goes to heaven. So, hello, my spirit's here. Yours might be somewhere else, but mine is in my body. So what does it mean? He seats us. He seated us in heavenly places. Thank God for Tim Keller. I, I, we were figuring out, and I went into Duan. I, I, read, I can't remember how many. Everyone either avoided the issue. They didn't say anything. They, said, they just said, we're seated in heavenly places. Yeah, I don't read that. What does it mean? Tim Keller, and I, it's, it's rang true with my heart. He said, in those days, they would have understood that scripture. Because when you were a centurion, and you had just conquered England, and you came back to Rome, and you were marching into Rome, the emperor would seat you at his right hand and you would receive honor because you have conquered. We have not conquered, but we are seated with Jesus and we receive the honor that Jesus gets from the Father. We don't deserve it. But because we have been raised with resurrection power, we are receiving from the Father this incredible honor. How awesome is that? Mercy, incredible mercy that I receive the honor of Jesus. So I can live life showered by this Father who's saying, I honor you, Lainey, not because of you because of the blood of my son. 
And verse 7 says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why does he do it? He just loves us. He's kind to us. How privileged are we? Sin is putting ourselves where God is. Salvation is God putting himself where we should be. How to wrap this up? Dead, made alive by resurrection power. And I felt God speak to me about shame. We live in a secularized world. What does that mean? Simply, this physical here and now is all there is. There are there is no heaven, there is no hell, there are no spirits, there is no God. It's, this is what it is. So there's no absolutes. I can do what I want to do because as long as the little thing, as long as I'm not affecting anyone else. And how many of us have heard people say, but no one sees, no one knows, I'm not hurting anyone else. That's rubbish. But that's the way we live today. If you are dead today, I say that totally respectfully. How do you know if you're dead? You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. But when we look at the dead people around us, there are dead people walking all the time. And those dead people have lost their sense of shame. How can you kill a farmer? How can you take power and use it for your own means and for your own wealth. Because there's no shame. But come to us, those of us who are alive in Christ. We all need to stand under the cross. It's the only place to be. And in terms of shame, I think there's two extremes. One is we've totally lost our sense of shame because we're under grace. So I'm coming to church, I'm doing the right thing, but I'm cheating on my taxes. I take pencils home or, or stuff home from work because it's owed to me. I live a quiet, I'm pretty good when everyone looks at me and they think I'm nice, but on weekends, you know, I'm a little bit of party and a little bit of, and who cares? I'm under grace. We've lost a sense of shame as Christians. All of us, all of us. We're affected by the world. Remember what it says. But then there's another extreme of shame, which is just as sad and just as bad. I'm so full of shame that I'm worth nothing. I can't even call myself a Christian. I hide my sin. Hopefully, if no one knows, they'll treat me the same. That's wrong. That's wrong. We all come under the cross of Jesus. The same in him. I am no better than him or her. None of us are. We are made alive in Christ. His resurrection power. This great salvation. We're going to sing. The band can come up. Amazing grace. This is amazing grace. I think we all need to do business today. I know I do. 
And I actually say to you, God says, you all need to do business. So don't sit there and think, well, I'm okay. No, you're not. And if you think you're okay, you desperately need to stand up. Stand on your chair. So as we said, said with lightness, but said with earnestness of the Holy Spirit, Lord, stand with me, Lord God, we stand in awe and wonder and gratitude for this incredible gift of salvation. Nothing, nothing, nothing that I deserve Yet in your great love and your kindness, I stand before you honored because of Jesus. Oh God, forgive us, forgive us. Because wow, in our day-to-day walk, we fall so much. And yet you still love us and you love us. And we say sorry and we get up and we go again. And Lord, there are dead people out there who need, as was said this morning, as said today, may this great salvation, may we not be selfish, may we not just gobble it up and eat it and be fat, but may we give it and share it and tell people, you're dead, but there's a solution. There's a remedy. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.